Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. And I'm Justin. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to us, thank you and welcome. If you like what you hear, then please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and rating on whatever platform you are listening on. Also, if you want to donate to this channel, there's a link in the description of the episode that will take you to the corresponding page. A small monthly donation equal to a convenience store snack will help us to up our production value as well as allow us to do some new spinoffs on the channel. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page where we interact with all of you and talk about other things going on in the music world. Now that that's out of the way, let's get into the real stuff. A lot of stuff has been going on with the podcast lately, and it's all thanks to you guys. We are now past 5,500 listeners. Wow. So we are really starting to grow here. Um... Coldplay episode is past 1,600, and we've got two episodes that are neck and neck on what's going to cross the 1,000 play And what first. are those? That's Metallica and Pink Floyd. Oh, man. Pink so, Floyd, steadily rising. It's kind of been an interesting back and forth. Like, for a little bit, Pink Floyd will take the lead, and then Metallica will jump ahead, and then Pink Floyd will come back again. Right now, Metallica is like seven listens ahead. And so um, both of those are are very fast reaching the thousand play mark, which is really exciting. We'll have three past that milestone, and um, all of our heavy metal episodes are doing very well. Iron Maiden was a very um, popular episode, got a lot of listens, and Slipknot is um, at about three hundred and fifty right now, so that one is still doing really well. And um, apparently a lot of people were also really interested in um, hearing us talk about the cars and Rick Ocasek. So that ended up being a popular episode as well, which made me very happy. Yeah. And um, Van Halen is also doing very well. So um, we'll see how well that one does, but that one has been one of our stronger ones out of the gate. Mm. So again, I'm really kind of picking up on a pattern here. As always, there is so much happening in the music world, and this week, Lucas, what is happening? We've got all this talk about Kanye. Kanye. Come on. See, I'm not a Kanye fan, but there's been some interesting things happening in the world of Kanye. I'm an old school Kanye fan, like 04, 06, that Kanye. But I do have to admit, his new album, Jesus is King, is pretty interesting. I still have not checked it out yet, but it's definitely on my list to listen because for me, I just gotta I gotta listen to it to understand kind of what's happening because yeah. I've never seen something like this happen where you've got this huge celebrity that all of a sudden makes this radical, very public conversion and is now like made a complete one eighty. Like I was reading an article saying that he's gonna go back and like edit all of his songs to make them G rated. That's really crazy. Yeah. But speaking of which, I think to give you some context about what you're going to hear when you listen to it, I think you need to go back and listen to some of his older stuff. Okay. Because it does set the stage for what you're about to hear. And this album is, I have to admit, it's not the most pleasant sounding Kanye album. I also don't think it's the greatest, objectively, I don't think it's the greatest music piece that he's made in context of everything that he's done. Again, you're, I know you're not a huge Kanye fan, so you probably haven't listened to a lot, but it is very good. And when you kind of look at it as a whole, 
in the breadth of his work, it's very, very interesting because it's a very personal project of him. Like he talks a lot about how he's wrestling with what he's trying to understand. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe that'll do something for you. Yeah. And it's been so interesting to follow the conversations about all the people either saying, oh, he's a Christian now. And other people saying, no, this is fake. This is his newest publicity stunt. And so where do you fall in that? I think I'm on the side of, let's just see. I don't think it's really anything bad. Like, I don't think he's, even if he is doing this for a publicity stunt, to me, like, this is the essence of Kanye West. Like, he's always been a very polarizing figure for many, many people and for many, many reasons. And I think this is just, to me, this is like, this is just Kanye. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a classic Kanye move. Yeah, I don't really think that there's any ill intention to it. I think he is genuinely trying to figure out like what he's found and what he's trying to understand. And honestly, like I said, you will hear that a lot in a lot of the tracks that are on this new album. And to me, that's what's most interesting is you're actually hearing a human person talking about like how they feel, what they're thinking, what they're afraid of. And so it's kind of you can really kind of connect to it. Well, I'm very interested to check it out, and it's been really interesting to see all of the different sides trying to prove that they're right, which is just typical internet culture at this point. Like, they're trying to win the argument of, yes, he is, no, he isn't. And they're really kind of trying to, like, pigeonhole him into, like, he's a good guy. No, he's a bad guy. No, he's a good guy. No, he's a bad guy. When really it's just, like... I think he's trying to figure out what kind of guy he is. Yeah. Like, if he was not Kanye, there wouldn't be near this oh, absolutely level not. of discussion around it. But, again, just I can't think of an instance like this where someone that was at the level and the notoriety that Kanye was at to make this kind of conversion and to make it so public and to infuse it into his art the way that he is. Right. I've never seen this happen before, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Well, we'll just have to wait and see how this plays out, because as always with Kanye West, you just never know. Expect the unexpected. Exactly. We mentioned the name of this band earlier, but this week, Lucas, we are talking about... Journey! Journey. One of the most legendary rock bands of all time. Oh, yes, they are. Uh, One of the very first bands that I ever got into whenever I started listening to rock and roll music. They are just such a great band. Like, like let's say you have never listened to rock and roll music. Journey is like one of the best bands to start off with because they're just – they're so approachable. Their sound is just so great and their songwriting is so simple yet – has the little details once you start to really know what's going on. And Journey was a big deal for me growing up. Again, like I said, they were one of the first bands that ever really attached myself and just going, wow, I love rock and roll music because I like Journey. Okay, so Lucas, who is Journey? That's kind of a loaded question because Journey has had a lot of lineup changes over the years. Um, But there are kind of two main lineups that we're going to be looking at this episode and that's during the classic period so the first iteration that we're going to be looking at contains uh 
on guitar, Neil Sean, who is the only consistent member throughout Journey's lifespan. He's the only member to play on every single album. Uh, we've got Greg Rowley on keyboards, and he was their orig- original lead vocalist. We've got Ansley Dunbar on drums, and we've got Ross Valerie on bass. And then we have Steve Perry as the lead vocalist. Legendary Steve Perry. Oh, yes. One of the greatest rock male vocalists of all time, for sure. Um, As we get later into Journey's career, we have Steve Smith take over for drums and Jonathan Cain come in for keyboards. I think one of my favorite keyboardists of all time. Oh, yeah. Just in terms of taste and style. He is... He's one of the essential ingredients to Journey's success. For sure. So really, though, the whole group, has, even as great as he is, as great as Steve Perry is, Journey is Neil Sean. It is his idea. It came from him. And it will go until he says it's time. He's the only member of that band that you take him away and the band disappears. He's, he's pretty much the leader of the band, always has been, which is what's created a lot of their tension over the years because other members of the band have wanted to be the leader, and Neil Sean has not been very um, willing to relinquish that power. Now, Journey had a pretty interesting, pun intended, Journey. <laughs> their first three albums are jam prog records. Yeah, so... They actually were an offshoot of uh, Santana. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No. They're, uh, they're like a, a Latin-infused rock group from he, the late 60s, early 70s. Is he a lead guitarist? Yeah, Carlos okay. Santana. Yep. Got it. That's his band. That's what he rose to fame with. But Neil Sean was his backup guitar player. And he was only 17 when he joined his band. That's amazing. Was, like, didn't even finish high school. Just like left, dropped out of high school to go on the road. And Greg Rowley was Santana's keyboard player and one of his lead vocalists. And so about 1973, uh, Sean and and Rowley decided, let's do our own thing. We don't want to play Latin rock anymore. Um, so they got Ansley Dunbar. They got Ross Valerie. And they made that first iteration of Journey. Until recently, I had never listened to those early Journey records because I'd always heard that they're just so weird and so different, which normally is a big plus for me. But when I knew it was Journey, I was just kind of like, I don't want to listen to Journey that doesn't sound like how I love them to be. But they're not terrible. They're actually pretty good. The biggest thing being that Greg Rowley just is not a great vocalist. Yeah. But you can kind of hear a lot of the ingredients of where Journey would be just without the, the, the pop sheen attached to it. Really, through those first three Journey records, you realize how great the players were. Yeah. I was going to say, I think one thing about Journey is that I've always noticed is just the level of musicianship is off the charts. Yeah, they're deceptively good. They... Um, for making such f- what people would call formulaic or accessible pop songs, they were all like top level players. They really knew how to show restraint. And so 
the third album next, their label was pretty much telling him, okay, you, we've got to get you on the radio or we've got to drop you because you're not making us any money. Like, Journey didn't have, like, this big underground following. They weren't, like, one of those things where, oh, we're not on the radio, but, like, tons of people are coming to see us live right. and supporting us, like some other bands have been able to get away with. Journey knew that they needed an extra push. And so their manager was actually the one that found Steve Perry and convinced him to come along. And when the rest of the band heard Steve Perry's vocal demos, they were not a fan because they felt like he would take them too far away from the kind of music that they played. And the manager pretty much kind of told him, you're going to have Steve Perry in your band or else. Like, ended up not being their decision at all. Wow. And, of course, once Steve Perry actually entered the band and started writing, specifically when he started writing with Neil Sean, Neil all of a sudden went, okay, I get it now. This guy's going to take us where we want to go. And so Steve Perry joins. Yes. And that first album he's on, Infinity, is finally the album that starts to get them some attention. Remember when we talked about Van Halen? A couple of weeks ago, and we talked about how their first tour was with Montrose and Journey. Yeah, and they were just like destroying them. Yes, but that was the that tour was that first tour with Steve Perry promoting the Infinity album. Wow. And while the album wasn't like a smash success, it definitely gave them their first radio uh, success. They didn't like hit the top twenty yet at that point. But Lights and Wheel in the Sky were um, pretty good hits and have kind of retroactively become really big radio staples and concert uh, favorites. And so this kind of kickstarts their evolution. Yes, literally, because the next album's called Evolution. Yeah. And this is the album that really starts to change. They start to evolve. They really you listen to Infinity, it's actually a really fun record to listen to because they still hold on to a lot of that jam band yeah. aspect. It's actually a really fun album to hear from start to finish. Um, by Evolution, they're actually dropping a lot of that. And Evolution is kind of a not as satisfying album to listen to because you can tell it's a band that's trying to figure out what its new identity is. But... They did get their first big hit off that album with a song called Love and Touch and Squeezin'. And, you know, because they got a hit that got even higher on the charts, it was kind of like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. Let's keep going. And then we hit the next album, Departure, which ended up being a very literal thing as Greg Rowley, one of the founding members of Journey, departs from the band. Former lead vocalist. Uh-huh. And... Once Steve Perry joined, he would get a song or two that he would sing lead on, but you could tell that they were just way inferior. Yeah. And so um, Departure, Greg really leaves, but then we get Jonathan Cain coming in. And Jonathan Cain was that last missing ingredient that they needed. He just completely changes everything. Not just from a playing perspective, but he is the one that brings that Radio Smash songwriting. Yeah. It's when Steve Perry and Jonathan Kane get together to start writing songs. That's when the magic really started to happen. They said that the very first time that they met together, they wrote Open Arms. 
Wow. Which was one of their biggest songs. And he also brings just this whole new sound. Yeah, because Greg Rowley was not really as much of a piano player. He was kind of more of an organ, um, like electric piano, like boogie yeah. kind of player, where Jonathan Cain really brought that pop piano playing, as well as the the synth sounds that would were needed to be able to go into the 80s. And so that first album he made with them was Escape, which of course had Don't Stop Believing" on it, as well as Open Arms. They're two biggest hits. And uh, I always kind of liked how they've got three albums that very specifically show what the band was going throughout the whole time. You had Evolution, of them evolving, you had Departure, which is them departing fully from where they were, as well as Greg Rowley departing. And then you had Escape. They escaped completely from their past life, and they're now in a whole new stratosphere of success. And at this point, everybody knows who Journey is. Yes. at that Once they... Once Escape came out, they became household names. They became the biggest band in the world. 1981 was Journey's year and no one else's. Um, and then they were able to up the ante even from there with the next album, Frontiers. But this is the point when the band internally did start to fracture. And why is that? Mainly because of Steve Perry. Steve Perry it was not did not have the personality of a rock and roll front man. He could turn it on when he got on stage, but he was very much a timid, uh, shy, and a very anxious person. He did not like being famous. He did not like the limelight. He did not like having all of this attention on him. And it really started to get to him. And so he was getting to the point to where he was like getting really terrified to go on stage and he was just feeling like, I don't know if I can keep doing this, but at this point when the band was as big as it is, and the probably the biggest reason being that everyone loved Steve Perry's voice, the band just felt like he wasn't even part of the band anymore. Mm. Like they, they would say that he'd be talking to them, and in mid-sentence he would just like walk off and start talking to someone else. Wow. Like Almost like he just wasn't even mentally there anymore because he wished that he was just back home. And... It just it really started to create a lot of tension. And so we're actually not going to finish the story on this episode. Whenever we come back to Journey, we'll kind of talk about what happens next because it gets really fascinating. But also the songs that we're going to be talking about in this episode are going to lie in the Infinity to Frontiers uh, area. And whenever we do another Journey episode, we'll talk about what comes after that. So overall, though, what are some of the things that people need to know about? journey so journey is they were really instrumental in popularizing what was called arena rock they did not invent arena rock but they really helped take it to new levels um obviously bands like queen and boston and foreigner were really popularizing the arena rock style but when journey came around they kind of like did it bigger and better than anyone was doing it at that time. And without them, you probably wouldn't have a band like um, Bon Jovi that would come around in the late 80s and kind of carry the torch once Journey disappeared. They also were really the ones that created Power Ballad. And 
When you think of the 80s, one of the biggest things you think of songwriting-wise is everyone did a power ballad. Yeah. Like, everyone had one or two songs on their album that was, like, the sappy song. Even, like, the heavy bands did it. Like, Motley Crue had their big sappy song with Home Sweet Home. And um, all of these glam metal bands started doing it because Journey made it very popular. I mean, without a song like Open Arms or Faithfully becoming big hits— we probably wouldn't have seen a lot of these other bands try and write those uh, types of power ballads. And so you really can credit Journey for making that something that was um, that was acceptable for a rock group to do and not like a pop artist or, you know, like the singer-songwriter type person, you know, where you would normally think Elton John would write a song like this. No, now... Poison can write a song like this. Right. And so Journey kind of really popularized that. And of course, it helped, you know, that they have these incredible musicians in their own right. Yes. Um, Something that really does not get talked about as much is how incredible uh, Neil Sean's guitar work is. Yeah. There is a very specific structure that a lot of Journey songs have where – the song fades out on a Neil Sean solo. That's kind of like one of their go-to formulaic songwriting structures is you do the song and then the ending is always like this incredible either mind-bending or heart-wrenching guitar solo. And he really is the glue that holds the whole thing together. Like again, like I said, if Neil Sean decides the band's done, it's done. He's the one ingredient that you take it away, it just can't be Journey anymore. Even if you still had Steve Perry, even if Jonathan Cain's still around, Neil Sean is the guy that has to be there in order for Journey to survive. There you have it. There is Journey in a nutshell. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we are going to talk about our six songs. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We are talking about Journey in this episode. And it is time to talk about the songs that we've picked for this episode. So if you're tuning in for the very first time, what we do here is I pick usually six songs to try and accomplish a couple of things. I want to give someone that has never, maybe never listened to Journey before, Uh, the best possible first impression to where you hear these six songs and you immediately know what they're about and you'll be hooked to where you'll want to listen to more. While also creating a set that has an interesting emotional flow to it. I want to have a great starting song. I want to have middle songs that lead you to the inevitable finale that's at the end to where by the time you've listened to this set, you have a satisfying start and finish and a satisfying listening experience. Now, the way that you can find these songs is that in the description for the episode is a link to a Spotify playlist. That 
playlist has all the songs in every episode in the order that they're put in. So if you've never listened to these songs or maybe you've only heard a couple of them or maybe you've heard all of them, still go and listen to these songs. They're put in a very specific order that you might just gain a new perspective from listening to them. Also, feel free to go to buy to our Facebook page. Make a post. Talk about if your favorite song made it into this episode. If not, what was it? And what would you like to see in a Journey Volume 2? So head on over to the Facebook page. It's going to be a great way for us to be able to get your feedback on the bands and the songs and check out that Spotify playlist. And so let's go ahead and talk about the first song on this list, which is... Any way you want it. Yes, the song that I actually for a long time never knew was a Journey song, but I heard in tons and tons of commercials. Of course. But still, I mean, how about this for an introduction to Journey? Oh, yeah, there's there's no beating around the bush on this episode. Literally, right from the second you hit play, you're right into everything that you need to know about Journey. Yeah, I love the gang vocals to open up this song and during the chorus as well. Yeah, so this was the the hit song off of Departure. This kind of really shows the transition period they were in. Both Evolution and Departure really only had one hit song each on them, where Infinity had two hit songs on it. Their first one was Steve Perry. And then after that, each album had like three or four hit songs. So it was really good that they were having these songs. It was kind of sustaining them while they were finalizing what direction they were going in. But you can see that the albums weren't particularly deep as far as radio play. But man, what a hit to have. And you kind of get a feel of the song structure that they eventually kind of fall in line with. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a very simple structure. You've, of course, got your verse chorus. You usually have some kind of sung bridge section. And then a very famous thing is to either have the guitar solo fading out or to have a repeating chorus fading out. Or in this instance, you got both happening at the exactly. same time. <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely classic Journey song structure and really a great guitar solo. Yeah, for sure. And I'm assuming they're talking about sex. Oh, absolutely. That was another thing. I heard the song and then much later I finally realized, ah, that's what it's about. (laughs) You know whenever you have that moment when you get older that all of your favorite songs that you listen to were actually secretly dirty? Or all the cartoons that you watched or all the movies that you watched? Yep. And you start getting all the adult jokes that they place in them Uh and you're like, oh... Yeah. Like I remember always thinking in songs anytime they were talking about like rocking all night or or going all night, like I always thought that meant like dancing or partying or literally like listening to rock music. I was so naive. <laughs> <laughs> or if I if they would talk about like I want to hold you all night long, I'll sing I was just like, "Oh, it's a husband and wife that are cuddling." And then sadly I found out no, that's that's not what they're talking about. Oh, no. <laughs> I remember the one that, that blew my mind the most was when I realized that Rock With You by Michael Jackson was uh, like yeah. the dirtiest song I'd had ever heard at that point when it finally clicked in my brain. I went, Oh no. Oh no, that's what the song's about. <laughs> Cause then you can't 
not think of it whenever the song comes on. Yeah, you just can't. But yeah, that's that's definitely what that song is. There's not a lot of mystery to what Journey songs are about. They're not typically about deeper things or tied to really interesting stories. And again, that's part of the criticism that a lot of people had towards Journey. It was a big reason why they didn't get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for a long time. They make up for it with just some incredible musicianship and great songwriting. Oh, yeah. They were among the best pop songwriters of their time, including the people that actually wrote pop music, especially when Jonathan Cain entered the picture. Speaking of... Our second song is Stone in Love. Yes. I would say... No, it's not my favorite Journey song. My favorite Journey song is not on this list, but this one is a second for me. This is off of the Escape album, which on any other album, this song would have been like the highlight of the album. But then when you're also on an album with songs like Don't Stop Believing," Open Arms, Who's Crying Now, it's kind of like this is almost like a deeper cut, even though this was a hit for them. Yeah, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle of that. But man... I think some of Neil Sean's greatest guitar work is on this song. Yeah, I would agree with that. He really lets loose in a way that he doesn't do on a lot of Journey songs. Like, it's not just that he's playing really great solos. It's like he's really tearing up on these solos. And then, of course, Steve Perry is just singing his guts out on this song. Love the held out vocals, like, right before the change with the breakdown. Yeah, and I really love that change, too. It switches from, like, this up-tempo, like, happy-feeling song to a kind of a bit of a darker sound. Yeah. I want to say that they're switching to the relative minor there, or it might even be a complete key change, but definitely more towards a minor one because it's not happy anymore. It gets more to a mournful guitar solo that's got... Kind of almost reminiscent of like a Pink Floyd solo. Yeah, it's really emotional. So much character to it. Even the tone of the guitar is very interesting. Just considering the song and even just thinking about like when you look at Journey as a whole, like it's very different. Yeah, it is. I really love this song. This is a song that has always captured my attention whenever I've listened to Journey. And I've always enjoyed this song more so than other Journey songs. But... It felt really fitting for me to have the song end on kind of that more somber note because it gave me a great place to go to to our next song. Wheel in the Sky. Yes. I gained a whole new appreciation for the song when I actually listened through Infinity for the first time. Like actually listening to the album from start to finish because I actually had never done that before until a few weeks back. And... The way that they get to that song is really well done. They have a song called Patiently that comes on before it. And it's this really um, it's this really dark acoustic power ballad. And it ends on this really like somber, muted feel. And then that guitar line that opens Wheel in the Sky just kind of comes in almost without pause. Right. And it was just like, oh, man, that feels good. And the chorus just is so good with these gang vocals. Mm -hmm. On the wheel in the sky, keeps on turning and yearning. So that first Journey album with Steve Perry, you'll know who the producer is. Yes, because it's the same producer as Queen. And the Cars. 
Wow. Rory Thomas Baker. Yep. I thought so. Listening to the song, I was like, man, this song is very Queen-like for sure. Yep. Eventually, we're going to just, as you start to learn more of these, you're going to kind of start to pick up on the names and the people that are continually having their hand in these different albums. And you can almost pick out a producer just on the way it sounds. I really love the instrumental breakdown in this song. And I feel like, man, this would be such a great song to hear live. Yeah. This is one of those ones that like you could totally get an extended solo out of. And I just really love the really subtle aggression to this song. Yeah. Like it's it's really biting as far as just like the way the um, the guitar is played, the notes that they're playing. But then you've got this really um this really soft vocal performance from Steve Perry with just very specific moments of intensity. And then we get this awesome drum fill to get back into the chorus. Yes. Um Ansley Dunbar really was a great drummer. He ended up actually leaving after Infinity. Once Evolution came around, that's when Steve Smith stepped in. Uh, But Ainsley Dunbar is one of the most accomplished drummers. Like, I looked at the list of people that he's played with, and he's played with just about everyone. The five or so years that he was with Journey was like the longest he was ever with one band. Wow. Like, he's just, he literally plays with everybody. And so um, his drumming is really, really great. Speaking of him, interesting ending with the drum sounds at the end of the song. Yeah, it's kind of, it almost just comes out of nowhere. And those are the the things I would be really curious to know, like, what they would do live with this song. Yeah. Like, if that would turn into a whole other section that they would jam on. I can almost feel like this song was originally meant to be, like, one of their long jam songs. And in the studio, like the producer is just like, nope, this is we're going in a pop direction now. So they uh, faded down when they were maybe going to go into like an extended <laughs> solo section there. Yeah. That's what it feels like. I feel like you can really feel the combination of the prog rock and pop style of, of Journey mm-hmm. that they were going through in this song. Yeah. And of course, we are able to continue in this more somber direction with the first actual ballad on this list. Who's crying now? My actual favorite of their ballads, and they've had so many big power ballads that, again, even though this one was a hit, it's not typically one of the ones that I feel people will think of first. Um, People will think of Open Arms. They'll think of Faithfully before they think of a song like Who's Crying Now. But this song is so good, and really this is a song you can hear what Jonathan Cain brought to the band. Yeah. I was going to say the the piano and the bass work, especially in the verses, are so key, I feel like, to this song. Yeah, providing that rhythm of the ba-dum, bum 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 And really actually foreshadowing what the structure of the chorus melody would be. Which, again, incredible gang vocals in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Such a hallmark of, of Journey. Yeah, Steve Perry was really able to track with himself really really well and one of steve or neil sean's best guitar solos it literally sounds like someone's crying yeah i think this is probably my favorite neil sean guitar solo just because of how emotional it is and like i mean just like you said like just wailing away but in a kind of different 
tone than you would have thought. It's a you can almost hear the 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 picking of the strings mm-hmm. when he's playing. Like he's really got a clean tone on it. But it it really does sound like someone's crying, which I always love it when people when bands are able to mimic the theme of the song or like the title of the song and be able to like actually represent it musically. Yeah. I always think that that's like a level level of creativity that sometimes goes unnoticed the first several times you listen to a song. But then you think about it and you go, ah, I see what they're doing here. This was all intentional. It's not just, oh, here's a great sounding guitar solo. Like I guarantee he was sitting in the studio going, all right, I really want to make this guitar sound like it's crying. So keeping on in the theme of power ballads, we get into Faithfully. The power ballad to end all power ballads. Wow. I think this is my favorite power ballad. I mean, granted, it's one of their most popular, but. To oh, me, yeah. it just, I just feel like this song sucks you in so, so much and just makes you want to sing along. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really hard to kind of, like, you've got the schmaltziness of open arms, but I think of just, like, the pure emotion that Faithfully brings. And this is my wife's favorite Journey song. She makes me sing it to her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, but just, I actually really love the lyrics on this song. Yeah. Just about, you know, it's literally about what they were going through at that time, about being on the road and how that puts a strain on a relationship. Yeah. But then still saying, but don't worry, I'm not going to, you know, be like all the other rock and roll stars that just go around and do whatever with whoever, you know, I'll, I'll still be faithful. I think what I love about this song so much is that, you know, for a great power ballad that it is, there's so many intricate musical things that are happening in this song. Mm-hmm. Like you have that synth line at the end of the chorus. Um, even just the piano sound in this song is really, really interesting. And then um, some great vocal ad libs and you've got that really nice arp that comes in during the breakdown. Yeah. And I think this song really kind of set a lot of the, unfortunately, what would become the cliches of the power ballad. Yeah. Like you've got the dramatic Tom hits on the drums where you go boom, 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 where it's like the, you know, kind of building the tension. Yeah. You've got like the the part where everyone's singing the O's and you've got, you can imagine just like people like yeah. putting their hands up in the air and putting their, their lighters. lighters. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, Even the ending, I mean, just like, it's a great ending, but you just have that power synth and that lead guitar just like screaming through like as the song ends. I think it would have been really easy for them to do a fade out on this song, but I'm glad that they don't. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that this song actually has an ending because the guitar solo ends on the perfect, in the perfect spot. Um, But yeah, this, this song really cemented a lot of the tropes and the the norms of how to write a power ballad. I feel like that this song has been ripped off many, many, many times. And that gets us into our next song. So I wanted to end with something bright. And I wanted to kind of almost bring the emotions full circle. Way back when I was, like back... In the days when if you wanted to share music with someone, you would burn a CD. 
I know for some of our younger listeners, that may sound like, what does that even mean? What is a CD? But I remember when I was in high school, I was so into Journey that I like made some mix CDs for my friends of some great Journey songs. And those were among my first experiments with sequencing songs in specific orders to create specific emotional moments. And a burn CD usually could only hold about 10 songs. Like I couldn't put more than 60 minutes of music on one of these burn CDs. And, um, and so I did this, um, greatest hits. And I remember when I did that, when I put lights as the last song, and I remember listening through it before I handed it out and just going, wow, what a nice finish to the CD this was. And that's kind of always stuck in my mind. And so I still am now using it today as as a finale song. It kind of sounds like a Bee Gees song to me, but just with more edgy prog rock. Well, the Bee Gees it. were the biggest band in the world when the song was recorded. So, I mean you wouldn't be too far off in assuming that. Yeah. Um, I just really like how, cause the song is all about seeing the sunrise. And I think that kind of the previous two songs in the set almost resembled like emotionally kind of like night, especially like with who's crying now and faithfully, yeah. like they're not bright sounding songs. They're more darker, not dark as in like angry or, or bad, but just, you know, they're not like cheery songs. And so I just – I think the symbolism of seeing when the lights go down and the sun shines on the bay, that just seemed like a great way to like bring everything back together. Yeah, I think the vocal work on this song is probably my favorite. Yeah, and for a lot of people, this was their introduction to Steve Perry. This is the first song on Infinity. Mm. So when people put that album on – for the first time, this is the first song that played. What a way to introduce a brand new era than with this song. But of course, you also still have an incredible guitar solo. Ooh, yeah. And the, even the, the guitar opening is yeah. so good. It's so melodic. I really love that. When Journey got inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, they actually they played this song first. In their induction, like whenever they get up to play, they only get to play like two or three songs just because they've got a lot of artists to get through. Yeah. And I always like to make a game of like me going, okay, I'm going to try and guess what they're going to play. And I knew that they were going to play Don't Stop Believing up there. And um, I had a feeling that they were going to play Faithfully, which I can't remember if they did, but I remember thinking that. And then – it just surprised me when they played Lights. But then I was thinking, but that makes so much sense because that was like the song that started the Steve Perry era. And so um, I really, really love this song. I think that it's a beautiful way to end the set. There you have it. Journey. Yeah, one of the one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, despite... What the critics and the haters say. (laughs) Um, We'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the bonus song, and we're going to be wrapping up and giving our final thoughts. So please stay tuned. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We have been talking about Journey in this episode, and we just finished talking about the six songs, which were, Justin? Any way you want it. 
Stone in Love, Wheel in the Sky, Who's Crying Now, Faithfully, and Lights. Yes, and so now it's time to talk about the bonus song. What I usually do with the bonus song is I pick either a lesser-known artist or a less successful artist or maybe an underground artist, someone that probably would not get an entire episode dedicated to them. Although, not always. Sometimes I will make exceptions. Like in this case. Well, really? Steve Perry did not have that (laughs) prolific of a solo career. He did have one very big solo album, and it's the one that this song is pulled from. But he's still Steve Perry. He is still Steve Perry. Had he not completely disappeared from all public eye, he probably could have had a pretty big solo career. But he just recently started making his comeback, like last year, after not doing anything for 25 years. Wow. Man, that's such a long time. Yeah. But anyway, this song is... Oh, Sherry. Oh, Sherry. So this song actually is the last little chapter of the story that we started talking about at the beginning of the episode with Journey. So when Steve Perry was with Journey and they had released Frontiers and they were huge, 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 big, he really wanted to get away from the public eye that was being thrust upon him because of Journey. And Neil Sean, during that time, ended up doing a solo album. I, I, it was with someone famous, and I can't remember who it is. It ended up not being a very successful record, but I remember seeing who it was and going, oh, I didn't know they made an album together. But Steve Perry saw Neil Sean do that and was just like, well, I mean, I'm not ready to go to do something again with Journey, but I do want to make some music. And so that's what led him to make um, Street Talk record. And it really opens up this debate. Like if you're in a band and you do a solo album, should your solo record sound like your main band's music? What do you think, Justin? I personally think that it's fine. Neil Sean did not agree with you. Neil Sean said that he was outraged and betrayed whenever he heard Steve Perry's solo album because he said it sounded exactly like a Journey album. And so in his mind, he started thinking, is he trying to be Journey without us? Mm. And so this album put a pretty big rift in the band. But man, it's a great album. This song is a bop. (laughs) This song is so good. (laughs) And really would be a big indicator on where Journey was about to go, which we'll talk about next time we come back to Journey. I mean, this is just such a, a classic 80s pop yeah, rock song. And just a great showcase for Steve Perry's vocals. Absolutely. And the Sherry in the song is actually, at the time, his, his real-life girlfriend, mm. whose name was Sherry. And she played Sherry in the music video. Interesting. They ended up not staying together. Well, that's kind of awkward now. Yeah, but made for a great song. Yeah. It's a great um, story. Oh, who's this song about? Oh, it's about me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you guys together? Oh, no, we're not. Because a lot of times <laughs> when people write songs about their significant other, they'll, like, change the name just to, like, create that anonymity. 
to where you can't for sure say that it's about them, although right. people will guess because that's who you're in a relationship with. But he just went ahead and still kept it Sherry. But yeah, it's a really great song. And when we come back to Journey, we'll really talk about the implications of what this song meant for the band and how it influenced their sound going forward. Because while it does sound like Journey, there are some things that are a bit unjourney yeah, about it. Absolutely. Particularly in the rhythm section. Yeah. Um, it's not played like an arena rock band, but rather with a little bit more detail and finesse. Yeah. But we'll save that story for another episode. So what are your final thoughts on this group of songs and on Journey as a whole? I first heard Journey when um, Don't Stop Believing made a comeback in early, I want to say early 2010 onwards. That sounds about right. That was the first time I heard Journey, and from there I was hooked. All their music, really, from this whole album period that we're talking about, really just kind of hits the itch for me, just musically. I think every song on this list is fantastic, and I don't know, for me, I just, I mean, Journey is just really one of the greatest American rock bands of all time, and, you know, you were right, we talked earlier about how their first three albums, like, it's really not as bad as, as people think, um, kind of like in their prog rock phase. Um, and it's kind of really cool that to see like one, you know, the, one their album titles are so literal about what was actually happening mm-hmm. in the band. But also it's cool to see the progression from where they were to where they eventually were going to be. And of course, great musicianship. I mean, that's I think that's one of the things that people forget about Journey is that these guys were incredible musicians. I mean, even just like Neil Sean and, and Greg Raleigh, like having played with Santana, you know, I mean, like you got to be good to do that. Yeah. I mean, he Santana's not just going to pick any old random people to be in his band. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, I mean, Steve Perry's vocals, just incredible. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest singers. And so, I mean, there's so much to love about Journey, such a classic band, and I really kind of love that they kind of made this comeback in 2010, mm-hmm. you know, and people started to like find out, oh, that's who Journey was. I mean, I was, I'm in, the, in that group as well. And so. All it took was a Filipino karaoke singer that sounded exactly like Steve Perry. Yeah. They're one of the all time greats. Well, that does it for this episode. Uh, we will come back to Journey at another time for sure. But. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like this, please subscribe. We have new episodes that come out every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central. If you want to donate to this podcast to help us to um, continue to do more with it and to increase our quality, just please check out the description. Also, check out the Spotify playlist with all of these songs and go also to our Facebook page and uh, get involved with the discussion there. Now... Next week, we are going to be doing a departure from rock and roll. We're going to be heading into some new territory. We're going to be getting into the world of funk. And so please stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Lucas. And I'm Justin. Keep on listening to good music.